So it's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 to 18, which is found on the Church Bibles on page 1,195. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he has helped me in Ephesus. Good morning. Thank you very much, Paul and Carol. Isn't it great hearing that Bible reading in Surimi as well as in English? Um, I'm going to preach in English this morning. Um, please, could you turn to the Bible passage if you don't have it yet? It would make a big difference um, it's 2 Timothy chapter 1, and it's on page 1195 in the church Bibles. It will make a massive difference to you and to me if you've got this Bible passage open in front of you, please. Page 1195, 2 Timothy 1, verses 13 to 18. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hands Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The person that wrote this letter to Timothy is the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul was a follower of Jesus, and the Apostle Paul was a gospel Christian. He was committed to the gospel, to the good news message about Jesus. He's a gospel Christian, and he's writing it to Timothy. We started to look at the letter last week. He's writing it to Timothy, who's one of the leaders of the church in Ephesus. That's in Turkey. And Timothy is sometimes not very sure of himself, and Paul wants Timothy to be a gospel Christian too. Paul wants Timothy to be very clear as to what the gospel message is. He wants him to preach it, he wants him to guard it. And that's what this whole letter is about. And the Holy Spirit wants us to be gospel Christians, to be committed to the message of Jesus. He wants that for us as a church, and he wants us, that for us as individuals. So that's what this whole letter is about. Can I just point you back to a, pass, a, a verse that we looked at last week? Verse 8, Paul writes this to Timothy. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, that's the gospel, or of me, his prisoner. Can you see that those two things are very tightly bound up together? Paul is so committed to the gospel, he's so much a gospel Christian, Paul is saying to Timothy, don't be ashamed of me, I'm in prison, and don't be ashamed of the message, don't be ashamed of the gospel. This whole letter is about being committed to the good news message of Jesus. Let's be open to the Holy Spirit as we look at this passage together. 
Firstly, in verses 13 and 14, Paul says, guard the gospel. Guard the gospel. Verse 13, what you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Keep as the pattern of sound teaching, verse 13. What Paul means is this. He says, Timothy, I gave you the message. I gave you the gospel message. Jesus gave it to me. I gave it to you. Keep it as the pattern. Now that means, Timothy, if anybody else comes along with a message and says, this is the Jesus message, this is the gospel, check it out with the message that I gave you. My message is the pattern. Measure it against that. Paul can say that because he's an apostle of Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 1. And so Paul is saying, make sure that you you're committed to this gospel, that you don't let other messages come in that are not faithful to this message. Look at verse 14. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. The deposit simply means Jesus gave me something, that's a deposit. I've given you something, that's a deposit. And this deposit is the gospel. This is just another way of saying, Timothy, guard the gospel. Look after the gospel. Protect the gospel. Make sure the gospel message is clear. Now, what is the gospel? Could you sum up the gospel? Don't worry, I'm not going to do this, but if I asked you to come up the front now, and, oh, I can hear the fear in the room, (laughs) and just, you've got two minutes, or one minute, or 30 seconds, just summarize the gospel for me. Could you do it? Don't worry. Look back at last week. Look at verse 10. Um, Paul wrote, The grace of God has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. The center of the gospel is that Jesus is our Savior. And Jesus is our Savior because he died on the cross for us. That's the center of the gospel. Look in verse 9. God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Do you see that? Not because of anything we've done. We're saved not because of stuff we do. We're saved because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross. Now, we need to be very clear about this. Um, When Paul wrote to to the Christians in Galatia, that's in the south of Turkey... He wrote these words. I think these are astonishing words. He wanted to remind them of the message that he preached when he'd first come to preach the gospel. And he said, Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Do you get that? That's Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Before your very eyes... Jesus was portrayed clearly as crucified. Uh, They hadn't been there at the crucifixion. Paul hadn't been there at the crucifixion. But when Paul talked about Jesus dying on the cross, it was like they could see it. It was like they were there. They could imagine Jesus dying on the cross. It's the center of the gospel. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth... 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he looked back at the time when he first came to Corinth with the good news of the gospel, and he wrote this. 
When I came to you, I was determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, that's an exaggeration. I'm sure Paul talked about other things too. But what Paul is saying, when I came to Corinth, it's Jesus and Jesus dying on the cross that was at the center of what I said. That is what the gospel message is about. And at the end of that same letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul starts the chapter by saying, I want to remind you of the gospel. That's what I'm doing to you this morning. And then he sums up the gospel and he says, he sums it up like this. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised to life. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised to life. Now all of that's important. The burial of Jesus explains, shows that he was really dead. But the only part of that summary that Paul explains is the first part. Did you hear it? He died for our sins. This is the center of the good news message. This is the center of the gospel message about Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he took our sin onto his shoulders. When Jesus died on the cross, he died so that we could be forgiven. He took the punishment. He took the blame. He died for our sins. They are the most, they're the five most important words I'm going to say this morning. He died for our sins. If you believe that, feel free to worship. That's the gospel message And Paul is saying to Timothy in verses 13 and 14, guard it. Guard the gospel. Don't let anyone else preach a different gospel. Guard the gospel about Jesus. He died. He rose again. Jesus died for our sins. He died for our sins. That's the first thing. That's actually the message of the whole letter. Guard the gospel. Secondly, in verses 15 to 18, make your choice. Make your choice. Now, have a look at verses 15 and 18. When I was uh, preparing for this, I looked at verses 15 to 18, and I thought, what's going on here? What's this, what's this about? I'll tell you what's, what this is about. Paul is now telling Timothy about some people who didn't guard the gospel, about some people who turned their backs on the gospel, And then he talks about one person who definitely did guard the gospel and look after the gospel. So there's some bad examples and a good example in verses 15 to 18. And what Paul is basically saying to Timothy here is, as I introduce you to the bad examples and the good example, make your choice, Timothy. Who are you going to be like? Are you going to be like the people who turned their backs on the gospel or who changed the gospel? Or are you going to be like someone who stayed with the gospel, who guarded the gospel, who proclaimed the gospel, who lived the gospel? Let's look at the examples. The the negative examples are in verse 15. Paul says, You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Fidulus and Hermogenes. 
Now, Fidulus and Hermogenes, I mean, one of their problems is clearly their names. <laughs> but the big issue with Fidulus and Hermogenes is that they deserted Paul. And we've already seen from verse 8, you can't take the gospel away from Paul. If you desert Paul, you're doing it because you're deserting the gospel. You're turning your back on the gospel. That's what they were doing. And there were others too. You know that everyone in the province of Asia, I don't think that's literally true. I think it means that Paul felt like loads and loads of people were turning their backs on the gospel and so turning their backs on Paul. But maybe the two leaders of these people were Fidulus and Hermogenes. And we don't know why they were turning their back on the gospel, but they were turning their back on the gospel. And there are still people today. People who turn up on the radio or on TV or on YouTube saying that they're part of the church, but some of them have turned their back on the gospel. They're preaching a different gospel. And Paul is saying, listen, concentrate, compare what they're saying, what people are saying, with the gospel I gave you, Timothy. And then we'll be guarding the gospel. Let me give you some examples. There are people around today, there always have been, who preach a Jesus and gospel. A Jesus and gospel. That's people who say, yes, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that's great, but you also need to do lots of things, and if you do these things, then you'll be saved. So you've got two saviors. Jesus is the savior, and you're the savior. You've got to do stuff. That's a Jesus and gospel. Do you see what I'm saying? And that contradicts the biblical gospel. Let me point you back to verse 9, please. Please look back at verse 9. God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done. Oh, that's so important. We are saved not because of anything we have done. We cannot do anything to save ourselves. Jesus has done it all. Hallelujah. So the Jesus and gospel is wrong. I'm going to say my favorite sen- one of my favorite sentences. You've heard this before. We could almost do it liturgically with everyone w- and repeating it, but don't, don't spare me. Don't do that. We are forgiven if we're trusters in Jesus. We're forgiven not because of what we do for God, but because of what God did for us when Jesus died. I'm going to say it again so you have a chance to lift your heart in worship to God. We are forgiven as trusters in Jesus, not because of what we do for God, but because of what God did for us when Jesus died. Amen. I was going to say wow, but amen is more biblical. Let's be careful. Let's not preach a Jesus and gospel. When I was a university student, uh, the guy who was the, one of the chaplains at our university, he was, he was like the vicar for the whole university, uh, we got on really well, Tom and I, and we agreed on lots of things, but Tom once said this to me. He said to me, it's stupid to believe that someone else could be punished for your sins. It's stupid to believe that someone else could be punished 
for your sins. That is the gospel. That Jesus came to be punished on the cross for our sins. He died so we could be forgiven. He died for our sins. There are people today who don't want to hear that. They're happy to hear that God loves us, but they don't want to hear Jesus died for our sins. There was a a group of um, churches in the United States who were getting a new songbook together, a Christian songbook, and they wanted one of the songs they wanted to put in it was "In Christ Alone." by um, the the words are by Stuart Townend. If you know that song, then please nod. Yeah, yeah, quite a lot of us know that song. We often sing it to Bubba. It's a wonderful song, In Christ Alone. And they wrote to Stuart Townend, and they said, we want to put your song to our songbook, but we want to change some of the words. Let me tell you what the words were. The words were, and on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Wrath is another word for anger. The Bible says God is angry at sin because he's holy, because he's righteous, he's good. But Jesus came, God the Father sent Jesus, Jesus died on the cross, and the anger of God went on to Jesus instead of on us. That's how we can be forgiven. It's the good news. It's the gospel. And they wanted to change those words. They didn't want, on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. They wanted to change it. On the cross as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. Now, it's true that the love of God was magnified at the cross, but they wanted to take away this idea that God is angry at sin that God is righteous, that Jesus took the punishment onto his shoulders. And Stuart Townend wrote back to them and said, no. That is someone who is a gospel Christian. Thank God for Stuart Townend. Thank God for all his songs. I'm a big, big fan of Stuart Townend. It's kind of joke, a joke in certain circles in the Bar Church. When Andrew Page is preaching, he always hopes there'll be a one, at least one Stuart Townend song in the service. But it's really important that we're clear on the gospel. Jesus, he died for our sins. But Figulus and Hermogenes didn't want that. So there are, there are people saying no to the gospel. But there's also people saying yes to the gospel and living that out too. Look at verse 16. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Paul's in chains. He's in prison in Rome. Yeah? But do you notice this? Onesiphorus wasn't ashamed of Paul. He wasn't ashamed that Paul believed this stuff about Jesus and the cross. He wasn't ashamed. He was a gospel Christian. So he refreshed Paul. On the contrary, verse 17, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. He looked for Paul and found that he was in prison, and then he got permission to go and visit him. 
And I get, I'm absolutely sure if they said to Onesiphorus, do you believe this same stuff as, as Paul does about Jesus and the cross? I'm sure Onesiphorus said, yeah. I believe in Jesus. He died for our sins. And so Paul prays for Onesiphorus. He's already prayed for his family in verse 16, but then in verse 18 he says, May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. That's the day of judgment. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. So you can see, we've seen Fidulus and Hermogenes. That's a bad example. People who turned away from Paul because they're turned away from the gospel. And we've seen the positive example, that's Onesiphorus. Yeah? And Paul is saying to Timothy, and the Holy Spirit is saying to us, make your choice. Who do you want to be like? Who do you want to be like? Do you want to be someone who kind of turns away from the gospel? Or do you want to be someone who says, no, I'm going to stick with this gospel. I believe this gospel and I'm going to live this gospel in my life. Make your choice. I hope lots of us, even if we can't pronounce the name, are thinking, I want to be like Onesiphorus. Guard the gospel. Make your choice. And thirdly, this is really summing up the whole thing. Here it comes. Live for the gospel. Live for the gospel. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not a believer in Jesus and you're just visiting and you're thinking about the Christian faith. Is it true or isn't, isn't it true? That's great. Thank you very much for being here. Please keep coming. Please keep asking questions. It's great if you want to find out if this message is true. That's a wonderful thing to do. Go to the bookstall. Ask them for a suggestion of a book you might read. It's what the bookstall's there for, among other things. I hope you will ask questions. I hope you will want to find answers as to whether this message is true. But most of us here this morning are believers in Jesus. We've turned from our sins and we've put our trust in Jesus. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Well, here it comes. Will we be a gospel church? If you're not from a Baba and you're from another church visiting, you're very welcome. This applies to your church. Will we be a gospel church? When people come and visit us for one Sunday, what idea do they get as to what we believe? Wouldn't it be sad if somebody comes for one Sunday or a few Sundays and then a friend says to them, what do these people at Above Bar believe? And then this person says, well, they believe they're better than other people. And because they're better than other people, they're saved and they're going to heaven. Wouldn't that be sad if that's what people thought our message was? Wouldn't it be much better if the, if the guy said, well, um, um, the people at Above Bar, I don't, haven't got it, got it all yet, but they believe that Jesus died on the cross, and because he died on the cross, we can be forgiven. Wouldn't it be wonderful if people get that? Feel free to be enthusiastic about it. Let's be a, let's be a gospel church. 
So let's pray for our ministers. Let's pray for our elders. Let's pray for the leaders of all the groups in the church, the pastoral work. Let's pray for the children's work. Let's pray for the, for the youth work. Let's pray for every aspect of our church life. Let's pray for the preachers who stand up the front teaching the Bible. Let's pray that we will be a gospel church. We'll be clear about the gospel. And the center of the gospel, it's all about Jesus. Let's pray that we'll be faithful. Let's be a gospel church. And let's be gospel Christians. You're a student. What are you going to say when somebody says to you on your course, hey, you go to the Christian Union, don't you? Why do you go to that? Why do you bother with that sort of stuff? Are you going to bottle it or are you going to say, I believe in Jesus? Don't need to preach a sermon, but will will you be a gospel Christian? Or at work or in your family or with your friends? When people ask you the question, are you a gospel Christian? Are you going to be faithful and answer the question the way you do because you believe in the gospel of Jesus? He died. He was buried. He rose again. He died for our sins. When Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians, at the end of that letter, he wrote these words. May I never boast. Boasting is generally not a good thing because it's all about how good we are. Paul says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. That's Paul saying, I'm going to boast about the cross of Jesus. I'm not going to boast about what I've done. I'm going to boast about what Jesus did when he died on the cross, because when he died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins so we could be forgiven. I'm going to boast about that. I want to tell the world about that. We've actually been singing that earlier in the service. you remember when I survey the wondrous cross? Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. So let's be a gospel church. And this week... Will you be a gospel Christian? Let's pray. Just a brief silence. Maybe you want to pray in the silence for our church that we will be a gospel church committed to this gospel. Maybe you want to commit yourself in a new way and say to the Lord, I want to be a gospel Christian. Let's pray in the silence and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the good news of Jesus. Thank you that he came into the world to die for our sins and he rose again to prove it. We praise you. We pray for above our church. We pray for the church in Papua New Guinea. 
We pray for the church around the world. We pray that we will be faithful to the gospel, that we will guard the gospel. And we pray for all of us. We pray for one another. We pray for those sitting either side of us. That this week we will be gospel Christians who follow Jesus and who live this out and who are faithful to this message that Jesus, your son, he died for our sins. Father, we praise you. We worship you. We give ourselves to you. Help us to live for the gospel this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.